Good morning, faithful listeners. You have tuned in to the P40 Ministries podcast, the one place where you can get a daily explanatory Bible reading to start your day strong. This is your host, Jen, bringing you a brand new episode out of Genesis. Happy Wednesday, friends and faithful listeners. This is the podcast P40 Ministries, and I am your host, Jen, with P40Ministries.com. <laughs> I tried to switch things up a little bit today, but it didn't go well. I just wanted to say the exact same thing that I do at the beginning of every single podcast episode. But one thing we are switching up today is what we are going to be discussing. So we are halfway through with Genesis, and I thought it would be a good idea to do a recap episode about Genesis. Now, if you are new to the podcast, this is a great place to start if you don't want to start all the way at the beginning. But if you are a faithful listener to the podcast, this is also a great episode to listen to. I would not recommend uh, jumping over it, mainly because it's kind of good to see the whole picture sometimes. That was something I talked about yesterday in the Matthew podcast I was talking about is it's good to get a full picture on everything that is happening, especially since the Bible is a book. The Bible is not necessarily meant to be broken up into a bunch of different sections. It is a book, and it can be read like a book. It honestly makes a lot of sense when you do read it as a book. And that is why I decided to do a recap episode today. So from the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God creates the world, and he makes man and woman. He creates the very first ceremony, wedding ceremony, for these two people, the man and the woman. Now, one question we might ask is, why did God create humanity in the first place? Well, I believe he created humanity because he wanted to dwell with us. Not necessarily that we are his pets and he wanted something to take care of. I think it was more a much deeper level than that. I don't think we were created to be God's pets. I think it was more of having companionship, somebody that he could dwell with. Now, we do know that the Trinity is made up of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So God was not alone. But of course, sometime during his existence, he would want people to live with and dwell with and have companionship with. You know, we are called the friends of God. You know, Abraham later on is called the friend of God and Moses is as well. So God wanted friends and he created us for that purpose. Now, of course, in Genesis chapter three, humanity immediately sins and sin cannot be in the presence of God. God is perfect. He is sinless and he cannot dwell with sin. It is impossible for him because sin is evil and evil is the opposite of God. So God is no longer able to dwell with humanity because humanity will just continue to get worse and worse and worse. And honestly, thinking of that from a human kind of perspective, if somebody is going down the wrong path constantly and you live with this person, could you really live with them for very long? Say they are just doing something self-deprivating, uh, just a, a really awful path that they're going down. Would you be able to live with them for very long? Probably not, especially depending on what that particular thing they are doing is. It's the same thing with God. You know, God is perfect. 
he is sinless, so he is not able to dwell with humans who are sinful. So when Adam and Eve took of that fruit and ate, they allowed sin to enter into them because that was the fruit of good and evil. So they now understood not just good constantly, but also evil. And because humanity is not God, we are not able to not act on evil. You know, God understands the difference between good and evil, but he is not able to act on evil. That is very clear throughout scripture that God is sinless. There is many verses in the Bible that we will talk about with that. So after Adam and Eve are kicked out of the Garden of Eden, they have a baby. And this baby's name is Cain. And then they have another baby. And that baby is named Abel. And chapter four is the first murder that is talked about in scripture, which is terrible because this is only a chapter after Adam and Eve leave that garden. So this was only years, maybe, after Adam and Eve had left that garden that Cain and Abel had grown up and Cain kills his brother Abel because of jealousy. One of the greatest sins is jealousy. And that is why Satan committed the first sin when God had created Satan as an angel, a beautiful angel. Satan became jealous of God and committed that sin of pride. And he was cursed. He was cursed as that serpent, as that snake that had tempted Eve in the beginning in the garden. So Satan was cursed because of his jealousy. And now Cain, after becoming jealous of his brother Abel, kills him. And now Cain is cursed because of that sin that he had committed that had been jealousy. So Cain is pretty much banished. He is not allowed to uh, be around at this point, but God still takes care of Cain. He still makes sure, makes sure that Cain is protected and okay. So even though Cain had committed this terrible, terrible sin and had killed one of God's people, God is still merciful and God still takes care of Cain. So now chapter five, Seth is born and Seth is the son of Adam and Eve. And it talks all about his lineage in chapter five of Genesis all the way until Noah. So in chapter six, the Nephilim, and I loved talking about the Nephilim. The Nephilim were absolutely fascinating to me. The Nephilim were a people that lived on the earth back then before the flood. They were giants and they were extremely corrupt. And I personally believe that the Nephilim were the children of fallen angels. And you can go back and listen to that episode. I'm not sure which episode it is, but you'll see it. It says something about Nephilim in it. So you can definitely go back and listen to that one if you're curious about what I am talking about here. But I believe that they were the children of fallen angels and angels are powerful beings. We know that from scripture that angels are powerful beings. And so they had children that were also very powerful. And these children were notorious giants, but they were also extremely violent. They were so violent and so corrupt that from that point on, no other people who were born would be able to walk with God. So God blesses Noah because Noah is the only one left on earth. It says in the Bible that Noah is the only one left on earth that loves God and walks 
by God's ways and does his best not to sin and everything else. It says violence is everywhere. The world is so corrupt. So God decides to flood the earth. Now, one question I've heard before is, how could God kill everybody? You know, isn't that pretty evil of him? Isn't he just a terrible person for killing all these people off, killing all these babies? You know, when God decided to do that, he was protecting you personally. And he was protecting me personally. If he had allowed the Nephilim to continue to reproduce and to live, no one ever from that point would be able to live with God and to dwell with him for eternity. We'd be stuck in our sins. We'd be stuck in our violence and corruption and life would be absolutely miserable even after death through eternity. God was protecting future peoples from this corruption when he destroyed the earth. Except for Noah, of course. Noah had no Nephilim in him at all. God had promised Noah and his three sons and Noah's wife that they would be protected when God flooded the earth and killed everything. So in chapter 7 of Genesis, God floods the earth and Noah is protected. God tells Noah to build this boat. He gives Noah exact dimensions and brings all these animals to Noah so that these animals can reproduce after the flood. Noah and his family as well are all protected. So now God floods the earth in chapter 7, but then in chapter 8, the flood begins to recede. Noah and his family get off the boat and everything is completely different now. You know, they're the only people left on earth besides those animals. And God tells them reproduce and to multiply on the earth. So God always, always wants humanity around, but he doesn't want humanity to die in their sins and to never live with him. God's goal from the beginning was to have humanity be created and for humanity to dwell with him and for humanity to continue to reproduce. That was God's three goals that we can find from the very beginning of time when he creates the world and puts humans in it. It was for God to dwell with humanity and for humans to continue to reproduce. God is extremely consistent, always consistent. After this, in chapter 9 of Genesis, Noah becomes drunk, completely 100% drunk, and something happens to him. We're not exactly sure what you can listen to that episode as well. Noah becomes drunk and something happens with his son Ham. And many people believe that this was the first act of sodomy to happen after the flood. And, you know, this was a vile thing to happen. This was rape and this should never have happened. So we see humanity once again beginning to digress even after God takes measures to stop that from happening. Humanity once again digresses. And so Noah wakes up, learns what happens to him, and he curses Ham's son, Canaan. And that's why some people believe that that had happened between Canaan and Noah. So after this, Noah's story is finished. The flood is finished. And chapter 10 starts talking about the descendants of Shem. Now Shem was one of Noah's sons. And Shem was the one who was going to produce the line of Jesus Christ. Now, Shem also had no Nephilim in him at all. None of his kids had any Nephilim. This was a pure bloodline all the way from the time of Seth, 
who was Adam's son. So it talks all about Shem's line, and we know that Shem was one of Jesus's ancestors. So Jesus was of the line of Shem. In chapter 11, the Tower of Babel happens. And once again, humanity continues to digress. And God directly tells people, do not form together in one tiny little place, spread all over the earth. I have given you the entire earth, so spread everywhere. But the people are like, nah, we're not going to do that. So they build this big old tower and God comes down to look at it. And God is like, okay, they're doing the exact opposite of what I told them to do. You know, I want people to be spread all over the world, not just in one spot. I want them all over the world. So he confuses all of their languages. So now this is where we get all of the different languages like English and Hebrew and Spanish and whatever else. So God confuses the languages and the people have to leave because their families all speak a different language from each other. So now after this, in chapter 12, Abram is finally introduced. And this was several generations after the the Tower of Babel had happened. This is not immediately after. But Abram is introduced. God tells Abram that he is going to bless him. Lot, his nephew, and Sarai, his wife, travel with Abram because God tells Abram to leave the land of his fathers and go to a different place, Abram and his descendants will someday get that place for themselves. So Abram does this, and he takes Lot, his nephew, with him, and Sarai with them, and they leave. But Lot and Abraham have this fight in in chapter 13, and Lot ends up leaving Abraham's household and going away on his own. But in chapter 14, Lot gets captured by these kings. And Abram rescues him with only 300 of his own men. Abram rescues his nephew from these these evil kings that had captured him. And this was something that would have been unheard of because the king's armies were great. And yet Abram goes and defeats this king with 300 servants. And so everyone knew then that God was on Abram's side. So Lot is returned. All of his possessions are returned as well. Abram leaves Lot once again. And in chapter 15, God blesses Abram. And he had already blessed Abram. I found it interesting that God specifically tells Abram he is blessed. I think it's three different times in Abram's life. So God keeps reminding Abram, you are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. He keeps reassuring Abram. And sometimes we just need reassurance. And I think God understands that and knows about that. So he reassures Abram that he is blessed and that Abram is going to have a son. Now, Abram was very old at this point and he had no kids and his wife, Sarai, was also unable to have children. But he believes it anyway. He believes that God can somehow produce a child for him. But when he gets home, he tells Sarai, his wife, all about this promise. And Sarai is freaking out because she's old and she's also unable to have kids. So she gets this great idea and she tells Abram, hey, I have a servant girl who is an Egyptian. You can go sleep with her. Perhaps I can have children through my servant girl, Hagar. And Abram's like, oh, yeah, great. Yeah, I'll do that. So he sleeps with Hagar without even asking God about it. And just decides that this is a great idea. But it turns out to be a terrible idea because Hagar and Sarai end up just fighting with each other constantly because Hagar thinks that she's going to be the new wife. Because technically and culturally, she was 
the new wife back then. But Sarai still considered her to be a servant because she was a servant. She should never have become Abram's new wife and God had never once allowed that, that men should have more than one wife. And so Sarai and Hagar get into this big fight and Hagar runs away, but God meets her. And he's kind to her and he says, you have conceived and you are going to have a son and he is going to be blessed because of Abram. So don't worry, go back and continue to live with Sarai and do what she tells you to do. So God still considered Hagar to be a servant, but he was gracious to her and he loved her. He knew that this was never supposed to happen. So after this, God comes back to Abram and he's like, why all this family drama? And he's like, Sarai is supposed to be the one who has your son. So he says to Abram, Sarai is the one who's going to have your son. And Abram laughs because for years, Sarai was unable to have children and now she's super old. God says to him, why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? You believed before that I could produce an heir for you, but now... You don't believe it that I can produce an heir for Sarai? So he tells Abram, when Sarai has her baby, you are to call him Isaac. And Isaac means he laughed. And I find that so hilarious. God just has a terrific sense of humor. And so he blesses Sarai and he changes her name to Sarah, which means princess of nations. So he blesses Sarah and changes her name. And he blesses Abram and changes Abram's name to Abraham, which means the father of nations. So God calls Sarah a princess and he calls Abraham a father of nations, which is what Abraham becomes. So now in chapter 17 and 18, Sodom and Gomorrah gets destroyed and Lot you remember Lot, he was Abraham's nephew. He is living in Sodom and Gomorrah. God has mercy on Lot because Lot was the only person there who loved God. So God has mercy on Lot and on Lot's two girls, his two children, and he rescues them from that. Kind of the same thing as he did with Noah. Once again, Sodom and Gomorrah is so corrupt that these men were coming out and trying to rape other men. These two angels had come into Sodom and Gomorrah to see what the city was like. And the men of the city, it says young and old, and we don't even know how young, and we don't even know how old. It just says young and old came out to look at these angels and try to rape them. So rape was happening. Violence was happening. This city was so corrupt and so awful that God decides to destroy it because once again, there is no more people that can be born that would walk with God and not be violent or corrupt and set in their ways. So he destroys the city, but he rescues Lot and Lot's two daughters and Lot and his two daughters. And this is the most disturbing chapter in all of Genesis, I swear, is Genesis 18. Lot and his two daughters go up and they live in the mountains. And Lot truly was the only righteous man there because Lot's two daughters thought nothing wrong of going and raping their father, which is exactly what they did. And Lot knew nothing about this. He had gotten drunk because his two daughters had gotten him drunk. And he sleeps for the night and his daughters come in and they rape him because the daughters believed 
They didn't have faith in God. They believed that since their city was destroyed, all the young men were gone and they were going to be old maids, basically, that were unable to have kids. So they go and they sleep with their father, which was something that was so disgusting and should never have happened. And that is the end of Lot's story, which is very unfortunate. So chapter 19 and 20, there's some more drama that happens between Sarah and Abraham. He sells his wife to this king, even though Sarah was supposed to have Abraham's child. But God comes to Sarah's aid and rescues her from that situation, basically takes her back to Abraham. Even though God didn't punish Abraham for that at that particular time, I do believe that God did punish Abraham in different ways for that. But Abraham gets completely 100% embarrassed by the king who had taken Sarah into his harem. And Abraham is embarrassed and shamed for what happens. And his wife is returned to him. That's kind of the end of that story. But once Sarah is returned to Abraham, she becomes pregnant. And she has that baby, just as God had said. She names the baby Isaac, which means he laughs which is just so hilarious to me. And so she names the baby Isaac, but she says, look, I am naming my baby Isaac because everyone will laugh with me when they hear this story. And I'm laughing, but everyone is going to laugh with me when they hear this story because who would have thought that I, when I'm 90 years old, would be able to have a baby. So she is overjoyed and she is so excited. But in chapter 21, many years have passed, and Isaac is probably a young boy at this point. But God comes to Abraham and he says, go and sacrifice your son to me. But Abraham has so much faith. I believe it's Hebrews that says that Abraham had so much faith that he believed that God would either provide a lamb in Isaac's place or he would raise Isaac from the dead. Abraham goes through this change, this switching. He goes through this trial that was supposed to change him. He does it obediently and God blesses him for it, even though God had never had any intention for Abraham to actually sacrifice Isaac. He wanted to see how Abraham would react in this situation. Abraham reacts very faithfully and God blesses him even more for that. That is the third time I believe that he tells Abraham that you are going to be blessed so, so much. And he is. After this, Sarah dies and Isaac is very sad. Like it says in, in chapter 23 that Isaac is extremely sad. He's an older man by this point. I believe he's 40-ish years old when Sarah dies, but he doesn't have a wife yet. And a wife is found for him and she is a good woman. She is a faithful woman who believed in God's promises. And this woman is found for Isaac to be his wife. And it says that she comforted him. Her name was Rebecca. She comforted Isaac and he was comforted after his mother had died. So Rebecca brought him lots of love and lots of comfort. And Isaac was blessed at that point as well. Now chapter 24, and this is the last chapter. Abraham dies, but Jacob and Esau are born. So Abraham dies at, I think he was 187 years old. I'm pretty sure. I might be wrong on that number. I'd, I forgot to check that one. But he was around 187 years old when he died. And he lived a good, long life. And he was very happy, it says, at the end of his life. He was satisfied with everything. He had been blessed immensely. 
After this, Jacob and Esau are born, and these are Isaac's children. So it's kind of like the last chapter I'm talking about here, chapter 24. It starts off with death, but then it talks about life because Abraham dies, but he dies in a very happy and content way. But then Jacob and Esau are born, and they are Rebekah's and Isaac's children. And we already see from chapter 24 that some drama is going to be happening between these two brothers, and they are twins. So something is going to be happening between these two brothers for sure. So this was a recap episode. Sorry this one went a little bit long, but you know what? It's fine. It's a recap episode. I think it's uh, worth the 30 minutes of time that I'm going to be recording here. So friends, thank you so much for sticking with this podcast as long as you have. I am very appreciative of that. I have noticed, though, this is just a funny observation I've had, is that my episodes that I do in Matthew get a lot more downloads and a lot more listens than my episodes in Genesis. And this is just me thinking critically here. This might not actually be the case, but many people don't want to read the Old Testament because they don't believe that it applies to their life today but honestly it does it definitely applies and you will find out why if you really listen to genesis and read the bible from beginning to end there is so much that applies to right now so i definitely recommend that everybody listen to my old testament episodes as well and really understand why the new testament had to happen and why jesus came to the earth. It's all in the Old Testament and it all connects like a book. So I definitely recommend listening to the Old Testament episodes as well. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening to this entirely long uh, recap episode of Genesis, but I think it was worth it. I learned so much from Genesis and it's fun for me to go back and kind of re-talk about some of the points that I wanted to make that I never actually made. I could talk about this stuff forever, but if I did that, you guys would get really annoyed with me really fast because the episodes would never end. So thank you guys once again. But I'm going to ask if you haven't yet to go to my blog page, which is www.p40ministries.com slash the blog and take a look at the blog that I have for P40 Ministries. I love to write. That is my main passion and I have some great blog posts that are up right now. So take a look at that. I will put a link to that in the bio of this episode. But friends, I'm going to ask that all of you have a very happy new year, happy listening, and God bless. <laughs>